Welcome everybody to a new edition of the CarCast. This is our holiday spectacular. It's also episode 94. First night of Hanukkah. Uh, yep, happy Hanukkah. Um, mazel tov. L'chaim. I don't, I, yeah, we're not drinking anything, so it's probably inappropriate, but... One, yeah, you can say L'chaim without drinking. Okay, well, again, I don't know, so I'm mazel even tov, more yes. inappropriate, Yes. perhaps. Nonetheless, um, episode 94, which we will be... Uh, tagging the Ryan Smith episode. Remember Smith with a Y. Longtime Edmonton Oiler and then bounced around later in his career. Islanders, not, Avalanche, Kings. Not really a highly worn number. No, surprisingly, well, maybe not, but 94 is a pretty low-end number as yeah. far as number of players in the NHL to wear it. Uh, Sam Gerrard wore it with the Preds right before he got traded, so he quickly did not wear it with the Colorado Avalanche. I, I'm kind of surprised, too, because, like, you think we have a uh, we have a good amount of 91s, which um, is Taylor Hall's wearing 91 now. You would think birth years. Exactly. So that's kind of like, I'm not sure if did, uh, did the 94s, did they miss the boat on that one? Or not, not want to do the 94s? Like, it's, or was the 94 not, did we not have a bunch of players of high quality out of that birth year? It's uh, got to be some, right? Yeah. Because, go back and look at it. I'm sure that yeah. Because I mean, there's 97s. There's like, for example, and we were in Tampa the other night. Sergeyev wears 98. Like, yep. So like, there's maybe it was a tr- maybe the trend. I mean, who was it? Uh, Nugent Hopkins wears 93 for his birth year. Is that what it is? Yeah, I think it's 93. Yeah. Yeah. We chose against him last yes. episode. Oh yeah. So we chose uh, not to pick him. Yes. So. So here we are, Sean, and just like the stars, I'm beat. I'm physically tired because tired right of now. my own schedule and my own doing. Nobody other but myself uh, to blame for that. Uh, staying up too late when I could have gotten more rest. Uh, mentally fatigued because it, that's what happens when a team's in a funk. It, ooh, yeah. Yeah, high-speed buzz by a, a Chevy sedan. Yeah. This is my... like uh, maybe an Impala. I'm kind of beat too. It's the first day, it's the first time in three days I didn't wake up with having to have a 4 a.m. flight. That's nice. So that was nice. That's, but also probably exhausting because yeah. of it. And you know, it's tough when your team get, kind of gets into a funk that you also kind of feel it because after a while it's hard to really uh, steer things up and get going. And again, this wasn't as bad for the Stars as the Florida trip. Ironically, the Stars are maybe perhaps in spite of themselves got points. In Florida, Tampa, in Tampa yeah. uh, because of a really wonderful display from Anton Hudobin. But here we are now with a bit of an existential crisis of what are the Dallas Stars at the moment. Now, I don't think they're collapsing at all. But this break, either way, win or lose today, comes at a good time. Yeah, it's. I think there's two elements where it's very good. That's pretty I think so. We are now. Today is 12 days since the firing of Jim Montgomery. That's right. Um, seven, day, seven games, 12 days since the firing of Jim Montgomery. There was not, um, from both an emotional side, there was not ever really that chance for anyone to kind of take a couple days and ever diagnose and just really breathe everything in. Um, and then, from a coaching standpoint. Now, they're not going to be doing anything with the players, but you think about how this coaching staff was put into this role now. They were given very short notice what they were doing. They yes. They've been doing everything on the fly and figured it out. They actually have a chance to probably actually have a coach's meeting. To, to actually sit down over the next three days or so um, 
and just kind of break things down on where they need to be, what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong. And I think this is huge from that point. And I think it's good for the players just to – sometimes it's good to get away yes. and get, to get a breather. Uh, I agree with that. They need time away. And the worst thing that can happen – Perhaps going into a break is going is being on a big winning streak. You feel great. You go into the the time off uh, and just go, man, I don't want to stop. Right? Let's yeah. keep riding the wave. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I, I say the worst thing. I would take a winning streak oh, yeah, going yeah. into oh, the break. Yeah, 100%. But this, I, I, is, this I will the, be this can be a therapeutic session for the stars physically and mentally. I think the better way to put it is the worst thing for a winning streak is the break. Yes. That's more than yeah. a team itself, yeah. right? Because we always take a winning streak. Yeah. Um, but look, th- I, I said it on our radio post-game show tonight. This is not... Oh, my God. Woo! We just got buzzed by a Chrysler. So yeah. apparently the GM makes are feeling particularly ornery tonight. Yeah. And uh, ornery, yeah. if you like to pronounce it properly, not... Uh, although here in the South, ornery is definitely the way to go. Honorable. Uh, <laughs> but um, but no, every it, no team is immune to this kind of roller coaster. The Boston Bruins, who at one point were second in the league in points, they're now third because St. Louis has one more. Have lost eight of their last nine. Now four of those eight losses have come with a bonus point, mm-hmm. which is stupid. But that's not today's topic. Yes. So they're two, four, and four in their last ten. The Boston Bruins. Last year's runner-up for the Stanley Cup, lost in Game 7. Very, very good team, have been beating everybody. Suddenly, they can't win a game. And, and teams have ups and downs. And the, and the biggest thing, where you find out whether you're a good team or a bad team, is how you respond to the downs, frankly. Um, the Stars proved they were a very good team after the 1-7-1 start. Now, this is another piece of... How will this team respond to this? How will they? Because to me, this is kind of still the aftershock of the coaching change part of it. Um, Because I look at it, and now you can, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this. Okay. Um, I appreciate you being interested because it would be worse if you said you weren't interested. (laughs) So the Stars fired Jim Montgomery. They hired Rick Bonus. Oh, uh, jeez. Oh, that guy's boy. in a hurry. Yeah. We are uh, apparently on Fast and Furious yeah. type driving right now here on 35 on what day is this? Sunday night? It's Sunday. People, out for a Sunday ride does not mean driving like you're uh, in a stolen vehicle. No, and, and I mean, yet, we do have the truck in the left lane that he should Yeah, that's poor driving from the uh, big rig over there. Yeah. I'm not talking about Jamie Alexia. Yeah. Hmm. Anywho, coaching. Um, did the, okay, I, the Stars really were put in a position where this is all they could do. Like, when they fired Jim Montgomery, Rick Bonus was the one they were going to promote. They didn't really have any other choices. Um, however, I, I thought that I have kind of, looking at it and just looking at things, did the Stars make the right decision in how they handled coaching duties? Not in the fact, let me clarify this. Not in the fact that Rick Bonus is the head coach. You're talking about the but job they, titles. But no, no, not even job titles. Responsibilities. That's, well, that's should, what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like who's, so, do, who's so, doing what? So the stars, by changing their head, by 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 when Jim Montgomery got fired, they lost the person running the power play and running the forwards. They yep. also lost. They also in shifting the duties. Yes, and so lost yeah. the guy running the defense. Yes, and so all of a sudden they created change on two fronts. Right. Where. Whether, it, whether you want to put John Stevens, Todd Nelson, Derek Laxell, any of the other assistants, 
if any of them could have, if one of them were running the forwards, yes, there probably would be an adjustment, but there would be no adjustment for the defense and the penalty kill. And you're basically shaking yeah. everything up. Although, is Rick Bonus not still paying attention to the penalty kill? Did he say this is I'm still running it? Of course, he's still paying attention to the penalty kill. I'm just putting it's right. I but, see what you're saying. But my my point being is you have you you all of a sudden have a disc you have this disconnect that you've seen. Okay, so if, if they were gonna do it, I don't think any head coach runs the defense in the NHL. Do they? It's very. Uh, I don't think I, I did. I haven't done the in-depth research on this, but I don't think my so. My presumption, yeah. and I don't have yes. backing up. This is just my gut feeling: is that they don't. Yes. So, then the only way for the stars to avoid tossing up both sides of the apple cart mm-hmm. is to have kept Rick Bonus as the assistant or whatever. Well, you didn't have to though. Well, it's a unique situation. So you're saying that you could have had him be the head coach, but say, Rick, you stay with your defense and have and John Stevens run the forwards yeah, or and you're Derek Blackstone or whatever. And you're still making all the important decisions. It's just like if you take, if you were to take it to, say, an NFL coach, you fire an NFL coach during the season, and you say, right. okay, hey, defensive coordinator, you're the head coach now. You're still he's running still, the he's defense. still running the plays and calling the plays. Now, I, I think they're like – this is this is this is just a theory, yep. as I said. But no, it's an interesting thought. But, I hadn't really put much consideration like, to it before now. Did the stars not like I? And if someone said, "Oh, that's weird. Your head coach doesn't run forwards." Who cares? It's weird. You didn't expect to fire a guy. The point like, is, and Monty was very uh, well known for saying, "We're doing what we think is best for the Dallas Stars." Whether it was scratching an important player mm-hmm. or yeah. playing a player on his wing versus yeah. center or his off wing yeah. or. Whatever his decision was, yeah. how can we make the team – what decision will be best for the team? Yes. So I don't have an answer for this, yeah. so I would pose to you, Sean, yeah. as the reporter. Yes. Because it is really not my place to go digging Correct. for this as a broadcaster. I can still find out about this stuff, but I can't really then report on it. Mm-hmm. So I lean it to you say – would that be something you would pose, Jim Neal, the general manager, who clearly probably he is involved in that decision-making? It is certainly a fair question to Jim Neal. Right. And it is a question that, I'll be honest, we haven't asked it yet because it's something that... I hadn't really thought of. It's something I... It's it's a view that I... It, this is something that's been mulling in my head for about... Probably kind of caught the idea a little bit when I was flying back early from Florida yesterday mm-hmm. and have not had the chance to speak to Jim on the record about anything since that. So It would be very interesting to hear his answer to that. No, but it, it's something that... Or not. I, Maybe yeah. he just says, look, the head coach runs the forwards. That's how it's done. Yes. And then your next question will be, why? Yes. You because, know, it's certainly a fair question, right. and, and we haven't had the venue to ask that question yet, but... And you probably won't until Friday, at the earliest. Correct. Uh, but it is... What is your thought? I mean, you kind of give a little bit of this, but it's like, as to kind of use what Monty said, and not that Jim Montgomery had any decision impact, not that Jim Montgomery's no. words have any impact on how the Stars do things right now, but if you go with that mindset of as a team, really that should be a simple thing. You do what's best for your team. You know, Sean, if I was feeling more ambitious, I'd pull, have us pull over at the outdoor rink at Farmer's Branches. We're driving by it on I-35 and take this car cast on remote. <laughs> I didn't bring my skates. Yeah, I'm tired. I. I think we want to just go home. Yeah. Wouldn't it be funny if we car casted from Farmer's Branch Outdoor Rink? That would be funny. Um, yeah, uh, not to digress from that, back to your question. Uh, it's certainly something that merits more further discussion and yes. consideration because while it is probably unorthodox for the head coach to concentrate on the defense versus the forwards, 
I would presume, as I said earlier, that most head coaches run the forwards, not the D, because there's more of them. There's 12 instead of six. That's twice as many. There's more situations because of that for matchups and line combinations and special teams. But I wonder if that was – I'd love to know if they actually did consider that but decided that that's not yep. what they wanted. And also, is there a reason for the dynamic of it? Now, my personal thought is is that Rick Bonus didn't seem when he was introduced as the interim head coach of having any short, uh, misgivings about running the force. He just said he hasn't done it in a while, but he'll get back into it relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. The bigger issue is not the impact on Bones. It's the impact on the players, Correct. which is what you're saying. Yeah. Um, we heard after the Florida trip, hey, how come Rope Hintz didn't play as much? Knows Dennis Skirianov didn't yeah. play a lot. Well, he, and he, I thought he very honestly answered, some of that's on me and some of that's on the players. Yeah. You know, maybe they didn't play real well. Maybe that's on me for not having the same level of trust as Monty did. Yeah. And also, the Stars took too many darn penalties. Well, did. So yes, did. when you do that, the guys that don't kill penalties get stuck not playing as much, and that affects the, chem- or the rhythm and flow all the time. But it is perhaps coincidental at the least, and maybe concerning more, is the fact that the coaching change has then turned into the worst PK performance of the season of a stretch of four games. Yeah, it's, it's weird because I am being, it's a kind of a statement right now where I'm being both complimentary and questioning at the same time. Yes. Because in a way, I'm being complimentary of look how good of a job Rick Bonus did running the defense. Like, that is something, right. like, I'm being complimentary of that. So why did we me- why why would the stars mess with something that was working when and obviously they didn't think this would be the result they weren't expecting sure. it to be, to be like this but it's just it's still I think it's a topic worth ta- debating. And is there it, any effect of him moving to his new duties on the penalty kill? Because in general, I would like to think not. He said, "I'm going to continue to run the PK." Mm-hmm. Derek Laxell and John Stevens yeah. are, or uh, Todd Nelson, he said. Yeah. Laxell and Nelson are, Laxell's going to run the power play with input from Todd Nelson, yeah. and we'll go from there. Now, Sean, just to pull back into this game. Yes. A 1-1 game after the first period. Stars didn't have a shot on goal for almost eight minutes in the first. Calgary didn't have one for almost eight minutes in the second period. It was really a wash, right? 1-1. Yep. That Mangiapane scored a goal. Gurion scored a really nice goal, uh, kind of a solo rush. Yeah. That kind of it was a solo, solo rush. rush. Really nice finish. I like the fact yeah. that he seemed to have a plan that he was going to go against the grain to the top right corner yeah. as he moved in. It wasn't like a last minute sort of. I feel like he was thinking that the whole way. Yeah, I liked that play a lot. Those, I mean, obviously yeah. it was a great goal, but it was a, it really, was a nice goal. I thought it was that, a goal scorer's finish. Yes, wasn't it, it? it was. It was one of those where you put high end skill. High end skill puts itself in high end places. That's oh, the speed yeah, got yeah, him in yeah. position, and then his talent. Finished it all. And not, and this is not to, this is not to pull, not to, not to pick on any other players. But you have other fast players on the stars who have put themselves in positions like that, but on could the rush, finish. but couldn't finish. Yes, and I can think and of a few that we've talked yes, about it before. Yes. So, this game was a special teams game, yes. as far as how the result was oriented. The stars yeah. were minus four in special teams tonight. They gave up three power play goals against, and then the empty netter, which turned out to be a shorthanded goal. A little unfortunate that gets credited for that because the Stars haven't actually given up a normal shorthanded goal this year. But now, after going 37 games, 30, yeah, 36 games without giving up shorthanded, now they've done it back-to-back games. 
Yes. The wrinkle in the statistical analysis yeah. because of the uh, penalty shot in Florida and then the empty netter. I have a quick thought okay. just to throw out there. Should a – so because the goal was a penalty shot. Yes. Um, because the goal was a penalty shot, it doesn't count. It's a – the Stars only allowed one power play goal against Florida. But the last three games... No, that's that a shorthanded goal. But, no, right. because, but, oh, I see what you're no, saying. My, right. my point being, there have been now been three straight games where the Stars... There's three straight games now where the Stars oh, have, I see what you're have, saying. have, have, have yeah. allowed at least Multiple. two goals that have led, been come directly off of a penalty. And so should well, that they, technically, uh, in your in your well, logic, a penalty shot could be a power play goal. This is my my question: yeah. is should a penalty shot count towards count towards as a power play goal? I think regardless, it's a special teams goal, and I think we should probably think about that. Like for example, if you're a football fan, we talk that you hear a lot about the turnover ratio, right, yeah. or the the differential. Yeah. Did you win the turnover battle? Yeah. Did you create more than you you coughed up? Well, in the special teams battle, the stars were minus four tonight. Mm-hmm. You clearly lost that. Yes. You're really lucky if you lose when if you win games when you're minus one or two in a special teams battle because tonight the Flames power play and that's the one outlier, Sean, is that they looked really good tonight. Yeah. They haven't been very good lately. They were good two weeks ago yeah. when they scored in five straight games, but then the last three or four games they were at about twelve percent, one for eight, and they are nineteenth best in the NHL. The previous three games, which they've all given up power play goals against, they sort of conceded the, okay, well, Edmonton's ranked first, Tampa's second, and Florida's eighth. Those are some really good power play units. This one, you can't make that argument, although they looked really good tonight. And what's scary is that they're starting to move the puck around on the power penalty kill, and it's something the Stars' power play has started to do a little bit, but needs to do more of, which is pass quickly and efficiently, yeah. and have zone time. Yeah. It would, I mean, so anyway... Yeah. Three power play goals against. I mean, the the first two in the second period changed the game. Completely. If the stars don't yeah. take those penalties or don't give up those goals against, mm-hmm. then yeah, maybe they win this hockey game. I'm not yeah. saying they would, but Correct. I didn't think there was much between the two teams except for on the special teams. Um, the other part of it, real quickly, was the challenge in the third period was whatever. So here's. I don't think it was a, a bad call, a bad decision. I didn't think there was much in it, but frankly, they had nothing to lose by trying. I know there's a penalty against. It's 4-1, Sean. You're in the third period. You're not going to score three goals later. To me. If you keep it to two, to me, that was the one time where you know you're going to get penalized for an unsuccessful challenge. Why not? It was it was a Hail Mary. Yes, but it that's was, what I'm saying. It was also, I, I felt like you weren't going to win that one. Like, and I, It's I, not. It's to me that it didn't look like you're going to win that one at all. So the only um, thing that replay uh, showed me was that uh, Backlund did not get a shot off on the initial drive to the net. He actually lost control, got it poked away by Sekera, yeah. and the poke check went into the pad. Yeah. And then it floated, and he just knocked yeah. me. He stayed in the crease. What really was upsetting about that was why on a penalty kill or any situation a opposing team player was allowed to stand in the crease and knock in a loose puck. Similar to two goals against Florida, yeah. where nobody tied up a stick or the man. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't like the challenge. I mean, I understand. I understand. Too. I, I didn't like the challenge. I, I really didn't like it. Um, to me, to that, me, it showed a re- resignation. Yes, and then the other. Um, that was the one, and I'm typical. And I'll say this because I'm typically one. I don't 
I don't, I'm not one to blame the refs for one way or the other, but that was one situation where, now, the game was over, Calgary was 3-1, yeah. to one. it wasn't, Dallas wasn't coming back, but that was a power play, that one was puzzling to me. I was going to bring that up, yeah. and I'm glad you did. Yeah, because that was, I understand, like, it's... They missed something. They, they missed the cross-check that started it all. So, yeah. the first thing that started it was Cogliano going after the puck, and the Flames didn't like that, he got called for slashing. Trying to get the puck from the goaltender. But he didn't do anything worse than anyone else had done all game. Did he make contact with Riddick at all? But he was... No, I'm just asking. I'm just asking. Did he? I think a little bit. So they called him for that. I thought it was a little soft, but okay. Okay. So you call that. It was Monaghan. Monaghan, yeah. Cross-checked him from behind. Yes. You got to call that. So even that up. Then Anderson comes in. Foxa comes in. They get after each other. Mm Mm-hmm. The one that I had an issue with, besides the lack of calling the cross-check, was Michael Backlund, who ended up, of course, scoring the goal, Mm -hmm. jumped in as the third man in of the wrestling match between Foxa and Anderson. It's how was that not called? It almost seemed like they to me that's what they missed. Other than the cross, to me the Monahan one was the big one they missed. To me, it almost seemed like they gave Anderson the misconduct that should have gone to Backlund. I agree. Like, that's what it seemed like. Unless Anderson said something outside of it that we don't know about. Yeah. But I thought that Backlund, because Backlund then, um, who was the, it was Como and after Foxa and Anderson were tied up, and he jumped in as the third guy in there. Then they get separated, and Backlund's skating around, and then, because Como was tangled up with somebody, and Backlund got in with that as well. Yeah. And it was very frustrating. Look, again, the game was probably lost at that point, but... Where I mean, that, that's just a to me that's a one where you have to again. It's hard. It's fast. They're down low. You probably don't see yeah. it at all. They're trying to break things up. Yeah. I felt like they missed that. The yeah. other thing, Sean, was that early in the second or the third period, Corey Perry had a great chance. He had several really good looks tonight. Couldn't score, uh, but Klingberg centered, centered top of the crease. That was Riddick's yeah. best save of the night. Yeah. Because he scored. Yeah. Scores there. It's three two. The building's in it. They. Who knows what happened? Quick note. I, I mean, while the team has been not good lately, Corey Perry's been really good. Interesting point, because I had several people tell me, both in person and over the phone tonight, they thought Corey Perry was awful in the game today. I think that's a product of him taking the penalty in the second period that led to the first power play goal against, which was Ma- uh, Matthew Kachuk's goal. I mean, yeah. Because I, I thought he was really good. I, I think he's been really good the last couple of games, and I think it's it's kind of... I had a fan tell me, Sean, we, right as the game was winding down, we were downstairs yeah. with about a minute left, Corey Perry's antics are, wearing, are growing stale on me. That's what he said. And I said... Why? Well, you know, the, was the, the guy stuff, was the, the guy wearing Anton Roussel jersey? He was wearing a Stars jersey, but I didn't catch the number. But it was it was you know the slashes behind the play, the other stuff that he does. I said that doesn't bother me. Oh, Stars didn't lose the game because of Corey Perry tonight. I think also that might still be a little bit too. There's still some there's some people who are still ready to jump on. I'm just trying to diagnose. Sure. Them. I think there are people who are in the Stars fan base, and it's fine who still have that old Corey Perry wound. From his past. And they probably need him to score more goals yes. to feel better about yes. it. So, yeah, but I, I just don't under. It seems very illogical to me. I actually had him down for three quality chances. He had two uh, pretty early, and then that yeah. one in the third. It's unfortunate he didn't score that because it was a great chance. Yeah. But the goalie made a good save. Well, I thought he, I thought he was good. He's one of the reasons we talked to him after the game tonight. Yeah. I thought he was good. I did not think that David Riddich was unbelievable tonight. Yeah. Solid. 
solid enough. Made yeah. some good saves, but I didn't think it wasn't like a Hudobin stand on your no, head. No, not at all. No, no. Um, but the Stars did have some chances, yeah. and they didn't score. So, uh, so uh, the final goal we kind of mentioned already when we talked about all that special team stuff. Obviously, the empty netter at the end to make it five one. Um, want to up the lightning round? Let's go to it. All right. So I'm gonna have to dig this out really quickly and go to the latest, and then because I know we got one pretty early today. Uh, Okay, six hours ago, our friend from Switzerland. Switzerland. Thank you for listening to Switzerland. Yes, uh, Raphael, who has tweeted us before, uh-huh. but uh, sent out the tweet that says, Been a Stars fan since 2011. My first game at American Airlines Center was against the Blackhawks, a 4-3 shootout. Uh, was that this year? I don't think it was. Um, no, the shootout was the 2-1 Hudobin game. Right, so if it, was, it must have been a, a year or two ago. Yeah. I'll be back December 26th through, the gen- through January 2nd, attending two games, Winter Classic and Avalanche December 28th. Anything else I should do in town? Sean, you are the Carcass Concierge, so I will leave it to you to make that determination. Are you having an athletic event that maybe Raphael should We do? are on the... Uh, See, I'll let you sh- exactly. shamelessly promote. On, uh, on the 30th, Monday... We are having a uh, subscriber uh, meetup event at Dots in uh, Deep Ellum, and it is a uh, we will be doing. I believe we're having a the Winter Classic panel. I believe will start around 7:30. It will be um, myself, uh, Adam Vinyan from Nashville, and Bob Sturm. The recently married Adam Vinyan. Yes, and congrats, uh, Adam, if you're listening, which he's probably not. And we'll also have their uh, kind of a two-part event for if you're. We'll also earlier at 6:30. Oh, the fog's rolling in. Yeah, at 6:30 they're doing a cowboy. They're going to do a live taping of the Cowboys podcast. Uh, we'll be. I'll be there at that time as well. We can talk hockey before. We'll we'll have the Winter Classic panel. We'll have some beers. It's uh, it'll be a fun event on December 30th. Um, I encourage everyone to come out. Um, it's a free event to come out to. So lots of things around Dallas to yes. do. Um, you can check out uh, some great barbecue joints, which is a big thing in Texas. Um, some great Tex-Mex. Uh, one of my personal favorites is Desperados because they not only provide great food, but they sponsor the Cowboys pre- and post-game shows on the tickets. So every now and then I get to piggyback on those. If you want a third hockey game to go to, the Idaho Steelheads play the Allen Americans on New Year's Eve. Oh, that's cool. In, uh, in Allen. In Allen. Which so. is not that far, about a half hour, 40 yes. minutes up the up 75. Mm-hmm. All right, so... Uh, Raphael, come say hi to us if you see us. We appreciate having a Swiss fan who's traveling to Dallas. Uh, ho, ho, ho writes, has a team ever fired two head coaches in the same season? Has a team ever done that? Yes. Um, I'm sure of it. Um, I can't name one off the top of my head, but I'm sure it's and, happened. And the other thing, too, is I think there's also the use of the word firing is interesting because there's lots of times, like there's team, there's times you'll look through the NHL record book where um, you'll see a team will have three coaches in here. A lot of times what it'll be is there'll be a sudden firing or something like interim that. Interim and then the, a... The, the interim will truly be an interim, and then someone else will be hired. Which is rarely actually the case. Yes. It bothers me. I've ranted about that before, so I'll let it yeah. go. Uh, Crawdaddy, this was the one I remember from four hours ago. Where does Roman Polak rank among scariest-looking defensemen in the NHL? His face just screams, quote, mess with me and you'll regret it, end quote. To be fair, I met him once, and he was super nice. Yes. Roman Pollock on the ice is the antithesis of Roman Pollock off the ice. Yeah. He is a teddy bear and a super nice guy away from the ice. But he does have a rather intimidating uh, demeanor and countenance when he's playing for his team. He's got the 
he has a bit of that bouncer or mm-hmm. uh, or a bit of maybe the, uh, the, the 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 muscle in a mob look to him. What I really love is a lot of times he smiles at the guy, right? It's not just that he's grimacing and angry and scowly. And mm-hmm. do you see tonight when he uh, was it with Kachuk early in the game, and he had a sort of a smile like, "Hey, kid, I know you're big. I'm bigger. That's enough." That was yeah. fun. Kachuk's a good player. He is a good player. Kachuk's a great player. Uh, uh, let's pose an interesting yeah. question. Okay. If you could have one of the two brothers, Matthew or Brady, which one would you select for your team? Hmm. Granted that we yeah, yeah, already yeah, yeah, established yeah. both are good players. Yes. Um. Matthew had a very good game tonight. Yeah. I don't know. I might. Hmm. I have an answer for this, but I've also thought about this before. So uh, yeah, you're throwing fair. me on the spot, and so right now I'm going with, and like Matthew comes to mind first for me because it's See, for, for me it's Brady. Yeah, I as I met Brady, remember Brady came in I think a year or two later yeah. than Matthew as far as into the NHL. Um, Matthew's a very good player. Be happy to have him. I think Brady's an even better player. I could see that. But I could see that. They both I, have that the yeah. the agitating ability of their dad to stir things up a bit, mm-hmm. but they both can play. Yeah, obviously Keith could play too, but um, yeah. all right. So Galpagus, I think Owen is getting tired of my pessimism. I don't think I'm ever pleased with people's pessimism. So here's a more innocuous card cast question. Innocuous. Solid word. Yeah. I appreciate the vernacular there. With the recent cold spell, is there a temperature where it's too cold for ice cream? I'd like to think no. The answer is it's never too cold for ice cream, but there are circumstances where you may not covet it. I think that's a fair way to put it. Like, if I'm outside and it's 10 below zero and I'm cold, I don't want ice cream because I'm already cold. But if I were to, if it's 10 below outside and I can be inside a warm house, yeah. I'll eat ice cream. Yeah, I, I like, I'm not going to eat ice cream outdoors in the cold, but. Yeah. I would, it's 38 degrees on your thermostat or yeah. thermometer right now. Yeah. I would eat ice cream outside if I, if I was challenged to do so. Yeah. I'm not saying I want to right now. I'd probably go inside for Steve. Right. Like, but I, if you, no, but if you had yes. to go outside. Yeah. But yes, there are times where it's too cold to eat it in the elements. But as far as seasonally, mm-hmm. never a bad season for ice cream. Yeah. Uh, let's see. AJ writes in, how is Monaghan allowed to wear his visor like this? It's a picture of him having it tilted way up so it's not even over his eyes. Thought that was a penalty. In the AHL, they call that, or they tell them you've got to fix that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think in the NHL, it's supposed to be worn properly. They ha- there have been penalties for it. I haven't um, seen it recently. It's uh, who am I thinking of in Colorado that has one that's completely useless? Um, is it Landeskog? I mean, well, I, I, this is not a picture from tonight's hockey game, right? That doesn't mean that Monaghan's visor wasn't like that tonight. No, but, but it, it is it's it's something no one calls. Let, let me just put it that way. It's it's something that doesn't get right. called at all. It's right. and they're probably not really looking for yeah. it. Uh but look, the thing is is that it's for safety. It's I know that they do that because they don't like the vision yeah. impairment they feel it brings, but it's actually stupid on the players' part because mm-hmm. they're just uh, they're jeopardizing their safety. Alan writes in, at some point, is someone going to pat Klingberg on the shoulder and remind him we can't deflect anything that's flying over the crossbar? Did you see an instance of that tonight? Uh, they didn't get many. I mean. Is he talking about shooting too high? I think I think that's what he's talking I about. I think so. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, look, sometimes shots sail on guys. Klingberg's been really good at it during his career. Uh, I don't think he's having the best season so far, but not a good season. No, but it's not the only. He's yeah. not the only guy that's there. So, Jason writes in: Should fans be concerned that the worst games the Stars have played all season have come since Bonus took over the interim head coach position? I think we kind of touched on that with my topic early yes. on, but I, I think it, it is concerning. It's something that needs to be figured out. I also think it's not – we're less than two weeks after the coaching change still, so I also think it's something where there are concerns, but it's not to a point of panic button, right? Yeah. The other thing is that – look, and I'm not trying to make excuses, but the Stars were playing their second, third game in four nights of the last week and a half. They played three and four. And then they played a back-to-back, and this is the third and four, mm-hmm. three different cities. It's not easy. Is it an excuse? No. You still have to go out and perform. You did have a recovery day. But uh, we had Tyler Sagan on our last resort show this week, and he said, like we've heard players say before, the third and four is harder fatigue-wise than the, the back-to-back second game. Yeah. Court writes in, dearest car cast, is this just a combination of mental and physical fatigue or a larger issue at play, you think? Will we see an improvement after the break? I think we will see improvement, but I think it's a combination of things. It's that mental fatigue. I also think there's some larger things that need to be hammered out, and we'll figure out how much is fatigue and how much is something to be hammered out, and we'll figure we'll see what happens against a good Colorado team on Saturday. Yep, and they have to bring their A game because Colorado's playing well. Yeah. Ardell writes in, I have to shave for my job. Is hockey more beard-friendly than other sports in terms of broadcasting writer employment? Employment. I'm sure it's employment. Do you both rock those beards all summer here? Sean, is Andre Sekera miscast on this team? Is Jim Nil on the hot seat? That's three different questions. So let's start with beard uh, stories. Um, I think the beard has become very hip yeah. in, in modern society over the last... In general, not just, not just like in, in all of society. Right, well, just, that, yeah, yeah. But, but in recent yeah. years, yes. right? Um, five years ago, I mean, I had a goatee for a long time. Yeah. So, but I feel like a lot of guys didn't have the big beard. Now it's becoming more and more prevalent. Mm-hmm. I don't know about writers as far as having a, a need to have a, a facial hair requirement. I think that broadcasting, especially for television, have become more uh, open for anything from stubble on mm-hmm. in recent years. We were used to never see that. Guys always were clean-shaven on television, and... You know, I remember uh, a couple years ago when Bob Sturm, not to point him out specifically, but I'm going to, uh, was on Stars Live. We started to see some times where he was rocking sort of the the short stubble, and it wasn't really growing into a huge beard. But mm-hmm. that's becoming more acceptable nowadays, whereas before it was like, wow, you look really unkempt if you don't do that. Like, and I, I will say, like, right now, mine's, I, I need to trim mine down a bit right now. I was actually thinking about doing it today, but didn't have enough time. And that's kind of similar situation for me. <laughs> and. But you I didn't have enough sleep the last three days, let alone time to shoot. No, I haven't. But if I had, like, for example, if I had a TV spot or anything like that in the last couple of days, I probably would have shoehorned. You would have made time. I would have made time. I, time. Made yes. time. Um, I now, did it today because it's the radio. I was like running late with kids' sports and the long morning skate for whatever reason. Like, so it was one of those where it wasn't the most essential. Yeah, like I know I have a couple. I'll have a couple TV things coming up in the next week or so that I so. It was so fancy. Just answering <laughs> just the just answering the I'm question. Just teasing. Yes. Don't get all hot under the collar. Um, well, I'm like, I'll tell you one thing. Um, this is the first time I haven't shaved 
not, not like all the facial hair, but the areas around the beard that I keep groomed. Mm-hmm. And it was a mistake. Again, it was a time constraint because I was trying to uh, get to and be able to coach my older son's fourth grade basketball game today, which I did. And in case anyone was wondering, we lost by two points. It was a great game. We were really proud of the boys. Um, they had a comeback. They were down by six or eight and lost in the final seconds. So and, that was and, close. And did your team take lessons or just harsh reminders? Uh, you know what? We're not professionals, so lessons are okay. That's an inside joke from this morning skate. It's not even that inside of a joke if you watched it. Okay, well, it's a public joke. Yes, but, yes. Um, but no, the big yes. the, this whole story was because uh, I didn't shave around the neck below the beard that I normally do, and I caught hairs with my shirt collar multiple mm. times. It's really uncomfortable. Not yeah. not debilitating, but annoying. Yeah. Next part of Ardell's question was, is Andre Secker a miscast on this team? Is he miscast on this? Yes. I mean, he's in whatever he's in a role he can play. The issue is not Andre Secker being miscast. My issue is the Stars don't have a fourth defenseman that can effectively move the puck well enough. And it's not, it's not that it's. So you think Jamie Oleksiak is playing above where he should be? No, the issue is the third pair doesn't have someone who can move the puck. Oh, you're saying so because Secker is playing with Polak. No, no they can't move the puck. It's not a good combination. They can't move the puck like. And I saw, I, Secker is a guy that used to play top pair minutes in power play at times. He's supposed to be more of the puck mover. But he, has, he hasn't been that with Dallas. Right. So I guess Ardell is saying is that – because he he called in our postgame show for the radio and said, I'm not sure if, if – was Secker a mistake is what he asked. And I said, I don't, I'm not ready to think that because remember, I don't know if you've watched the open ice segments. Yes, I have. Um, but Monty said to Secker on the ice, I'm really glad you're here. You have, you're really intelligent. I like what you're doing. Keep it going. You're a great fit for our team. What a coach saying something nice to a player is. But coaches don't go. Monty is not a guy that goes out of his way to say stuff without a purpose. But I, I think he's pretty blunt, right? Yeah, he's not, he's not blowing smoke there. I, I think the issue is right now you have three guys on. You have three defensemen that can move the puck, um, effectively enough, and you then I you. Think Fadoon is. Well, no, a, you're not yeah. letting me get to my point. Okay. You have three guys in the lineup right now. Okay. And then. You have a third pair where they haven't been able to move the puck, and I think if Fadoon was in the lineup, they'd be able to move the puck more. This is and this is the whole the issue is the Stars coaching staff they want to be tougher and bigger. They also want someone who can move the puck. There actually is the perfect combination. Unfortunately, that person still is not healthy, and Stephen Johns. If and who knows, assuming he's what he we well, remember that's, him that's, to be. Yeah, that but that's the. Going back to the whole year and a half now of Stephen Johns missing, being missing from the NHL, that's one of the biggest issues. The other thing is that if he does come back at some point, mm-hmm. you're going to have to have some patience with him. He's not going to just come in and torch the league. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he did, that would be amazing. Yes. But you can't ex- expect that. You have to think growing pains because it's been a long time uh, since no, he played uh, any we're close to uh, an actual competitive hockey game. 100%. But to get to the more direct, I get what you're saying. To get to the more direct thing is I thought – I really think, and it's been exposed lately, of they, they're getting, as you know, total, the stars are getting hemmed in. Everyone's getting worn down. But I think that the lack of that fourth defenseman that can really move the puck and get it out of the zone effectively has been really shown in the past couple of games. Is Jim, the last question from Ardell is, is Jim Nill on the hot seat? He's on the hot seat until they make the playoffs. The next question comes from Melissa. 
is the uh, if the Avs were going to were only to score one goal on Saturday, are you taking Nachushkin or the field? Ooh, I like the hypotheticals. That's fun. Field. Yeah, I would take the field too. Look, Val's been playing really well. Rick Bonus actually addressed that. Um, I don't know if it was in the main scrum or to our radio interview, but he was yeah. talking about uh, a guy like Val saying you can just see what one goal can do. Mm-hmm. He was referencing Val and Tyler Sagan, amongst others, saying, look at the difference. You know, Val didn't score for a couple of years, and look, now he's making plays. Yeah. He said, I've watched him do that. So um, he's playing much better. I'm happy for him. He's a nice kid uh, who's really quiet. So sometimes I think, speaking of being miscast, yeah. he's a guy that gets miscast a little bit. Um, but, yeah. i got to take the field. you got to take Ranton and Landeskog and McKinnon alone, let alone the rest of them. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, doesn't mean Val won't score a goal against the Dallas Stars at some point. Katie Martin writes in, if the team continues to perform this horribly under bonus, do you think Neil will try to hire a new coach before the end of the season? No. Yeah. Look. Here's an interesting question that I don't have an answer for, although I'm thinking the answer is no. I don't know what Jim Nill's relationship is with Mike Babcock. I'm not saying that he's the right coach. I'm not even sure if that's a consideration. But they worked together for a long time in Detroit under Ken Holland as the GM. Holland, of course, now in Edmonton. Would that be a consideration? How is their relationship? Is Mike Babcock's style good for the current NHL game? Can he change? I don't think he's a, a bad coach. I don't think he's a, uh, a – I think he's a smart guy. But clearly he has a different style than maybe fits with today's player. At least it sounded like there were some things that didn't work out so well in Toronto. Is that also partly just the fact that it's really hard to be successful in Toronto because the media exposure – and the expectation of the fan I base. I, so I really high. don't like the Marner thing that came out. I don't either. I don't like that. I mean, and I, that that leaves a sour taste in my mouth as well. Like I, I would have an issue. Um, I would have. An and issue. he, that's not the only instance where somebody's had a problem. With I, him. I would have an issue with Babcock. I don't, I don't think he would be the right fit. I, again, I'm just asking because of the past relationship with that with Detroit. It's not because I think it's even yeah. something that's on the front burner. There are other good coaches out there too. Speaking of which, Sean. Peter DeBoer Mm -hmm. did really well in San Jose until this year. Some could say that's more of a roster problem than a coaching problem. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't remember if it was uh, your colleague, Duhatschek, or if it was Elliot Friedman. Somebody posed the, we could see him going to Seattle. I could see that, yeah. But they also said he could be a coach this year if he wants to be. Yeah, I also think if I'm him, just kind of thinking that putting myself in Mm -hmm. Pete DeBoer's shoes – I take the rest of the year. I continue to get paid by San Jose. Yes, I agree. I do some broadcast work in the playoffs. If you want to. Get a little bit more money. Huh. And and then I pick my best opportunity in the summer when things are settled and things like that. Because I don't want to make a snap decision and um, take – maybe there's a better job I want that will be available in June that isn't available right now or anything like that. If, I, if I'm Pete DeBoer, I take this – I take the rest of the season – I take my money. I so. Final question comes from one of our Canadian fans. Okay. Coach Kitchen writes, my son and I are traveling from Saskatchewan to Dallas for the Winter Classic. By the way, I love hearing about this. It just shows how this marquee event brings people in from everywhere. It's very cool. It's also crazy that people didn't think that they could sell this game in Dallas, right? Yeah. They really thought they would be lucky if they got 50,000 
fantastic. They're going to have 80. It's going to be amazing. Let's hope the weather cooperates. Yep. But anyway, they say they're coming in for the Winter Classic. My my stars my first stars game in Texas ever. Mm-hmm. Should I also should I be concerned about this team going into it? Also, fire Jason Garrett, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, you shouldn't be concerned about this team. Look, the Winter Classic is against the Nashville Predators, who are also having their own issues. It's a one-off game. It's not a, a question of a systemic problem. And I don't think the Stars are are look. If they win today, Sean. We go into the break going well. They didn't play very well in Florida. They beat a Calgary team that's had their own issues in the last week. Here we go. I mean, I'm I'm just I'm still of the they need to prove some things coming out of this. Break. Oh, of course. They definitely need to prove something coming they out do. of this break. Um, I'm also, I think whether I'd like to believe that no matter who's playing in the Winter Classic, it's a game that should be players will be up for that game. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. So. No, I think that they'll be fired up. Now the question is, can they win? Yeah. Yeah, they can. All right. Um, That's it, folks. Some programming notes. The uh, Road to the Winter Classic, speaking of which, comes out, uh, debuts tomorrow at 9.30 p.m. or NBCSN. Or at the conclusion of the, I think it's Rangers, Flyers. Whatever comes whatever, first. Whatever game's on NBC. So um, whatever game's on NBCSN tomorrow night. So if uh, if that if you're trying to find it, and uh, or if you're DVRing it, maybe uh, DVR the end of the game. And plus another hour. Plus another hour. Uh, I would do that. Yeah, it's uh, I believe it's a 30 minute episode tomorrow. All right, first um, one. We saw a little teaser with yeah. Rick Bonus yeah. and his Corvette and getting yeah. tripped by Tyler Sagan, which was fun. There's also I believe uh, I believe there's also a visit to the uh, with the Hamhuse family for people who. Oh, ah, okay, for the Nashville connection. For the Nashville connection. Um, there's that. The uh, stars have will be off until Friday. Um, and, right, uh, no activities. They're yes. not allowed anything with the team until Friday's yeah. practice in Frisco at 11. They could have actually done something tomorrow. Conceivably, um, but the, 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 the players would have revolted. Yeah, it was, yes, it was the, uh, obviously, that was not NHL required, but they obviously They didn't need a practice no. after three and four with four days no, off. Exactly. They need Give them the four days. They get five without a game. Four days, they'll be report back for Friday practice. Mm-hmm. I think that's the right, I mean, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, but other programming notes, we'll have a car cast, we think, I assume so, early start, 6 o'clock next Saturday. Still TBD on Saturday for me. Okay, so we'll find out. Yeah. Um, they have a back-to-back because they have Arizona on yeah. Sunday. I have a minor, I have a family thing that may lead to... And no, then we no, have the winter class. Yes, so... Yeah. Uh, will we have a, uh, a, a Sean Shapiro appearance at the Sunday East Dallas soccer pickup game? Maybe. On the twenty uh, I'm, 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 I'm hoping so. Well, you better bring those knee braces out. Get them going. Definitely. Uh, it's been a while. Definitely playing uh, goalie on Thursday at Sevy's Neuter. Oh, I wish I could do the Boxing Day. Boxing Day one, but I'm not. I got to do a family day there. Yeah. Yep. But uh, yeah, no. Um, uh, I think it's past sundown, so happy Hanukkah. Yep. Again, Merry Christmas for those of you who celebrate Christmas, obviously, and uh, hope anybody who goes to gets into Festivus. Yeah, starts tomorrow or is tomorrow. So, airing of grievances, last resort all week, Monday, Tuesday, Friday, and then next Wednesday, early last resort, eleven to twelve thirty before our pregame show from the Cod Bowl. 